Welcome to the Empowering Midlife Wellness Podcast, where we talk about everything to do with midlife women's wellness and creating the best second half of life. I'm your host, Dr. Susan Hardwick-Smith. I'm a board-certified gynecologist, certified menopause practitioner and hormone replacement specialist, as well as an ICF-certified life and leadership coach and lots of other things. So if you want to check me out and learn about my private practice and other offerings, my website is www www.drsusan.com. That's D-R-S-U-S-A-N.com. It's my commitment to stay neutral by not accepting advertising dollars from sponsors. So all of these episodes are offered freely. And the best way that you can help this podcast is to share it with your friends, leave a positive review, and also keep in mind this is simultaneously posted in video format on YouTube, where you can find me by searching for Dr. Susan Hardwick-Smith. Empowering Midlife Wellness, I'm talking with my dear friend, Mary Jo Rapini, psychologist and sex therapist. We're talking about intimacy and connection in midlife and how it can enhance your relationships, bring you closer together, and all things to do with the beauty of midlife and connection. You can't wait to hear this one. Hi, friends, and welcome to this week's episode. I'm so excited to have my dear friend, Mary Jo Rapini, with me. You might have heard us chatting on some other platforms, but Mary Jo, you're one of the most amazing resources for women in Houston. Mary Jo is a psychologist who has specialty training in sex therapy. So she's been so helpful to to so many of my patients. You might recognize this beautiful face because she's been on television a lot. She's on all kinds of media platforms. She's written this amazing book called Recoupling. It's really great. You can get it on Amazon. She has a fantastic YouTube channel. You've just got all the things. And she also sees patients as well. So we want to talk to you about some of the amazing things that Mary Jo can help you to understand about sexuality in midlife. So tell us a little bit about yourself, and I'm fascinated to hear from you about what you do. Like, what what is your job like counseling individuals and couples about having the best sex of their lives? Well, and that's, I do love what I do, and I think when I first met you, that's what made us so connected, is we're both in love with helping women Mm -hmm. and the men that love them. So Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times women get tied into the way they look on the outside what's going on, trying to please others, trying to take care of others. And I think the message that I want to give every woman today is no, take time for yourself. Take time to restore yourself so that you can actually connect. Because the most important part of sex to me is the emotional connection. If you don't have that, if you don't have the spiritual gut, then you don't have a relationship. It's harder to be able to orgasm, it's harder to be able to enjoy sex with your partner, and really, it's not good for you. We know in studies that when women feel connected, they feel nurtured, they feel loved, they feel like they can escape and be taken care of, that that enhances orgasms and makes them feel better. And that's such a beautiful message. You know, and I think in our culture, it's sort of shifted. Something you said really touched me because we we're starting to shift from the woman who's taken care of by a man to being so fiercely independent that I think we can stop 
that understanding that part of us does want to be taken care of, and, and that's okay. It doesn't mean we're weaker or that we need a man or any of those things, but being taken care of and nurtured is part of the joy of being a human, and we can do the same thing for our partners without feeling like we're hopeless or helpless, right? That's right. I think the more that we started empowering ourselves, if you will, the more we got this idea that we don't need a man, that we are self-sufficient. And men have suffered from it. Men say many times they don't feel like they're needed in their relationship. And we know that's vital. Every human needs to feel needed. And plus, we understand that, you know, one of women's top complaints is they have to do it all now. Mm -hmm. And when you're doing it all, you don't feel sexual, you don't feel feminine, you no longer feel like you even know who you are sexually. Because you're gonna, a woman is always going to take care of what needs to be taken care of. So it's important that today we really focus on taking care of ourselves and really getting back to what makes you feel like a woman. Yeah, I, I love that message. And so it is such a, it can sometimes be a real tightrope we have to walk now with what's okay to say. And I just want to say we're all women and we're certainly feminists and believe in empowering women. And at the mm -hmm. same time, I do love that message that it is okay to let someone take care of you. And I've certainly suffered with this of being, oh, I'm so independent. I don't need anybody. Mm -hmm. But we all need somebody, right? We, we all and so do. do and our, we, so do our partners. That's right. Yeah. And we should, Susan. Mm -hmm. It's a sign of mental health. Right. I mean, I think we've gotten so worried we're going to scare him away or mm -hmm. we're looking clingy or we're looking overly sensitive or whatever. No, you know, get more in touch with who you are so you can talk to your partner about what you need and you can also listen to them for what their needs are as well. I, I love that message. I can say from my experience, and I do hear this quite frequently from my patients as well, there's a real skill that I am developing. I can say I'm not an expert in it yet from having so much of my life of being so fiercely independent mm -hmm. of allowing myself to be loved, just allowing that love in. And that might be something as simple as accepting a compliment without saying, oh, no, no, it's just an old dress, just saying thank you. Allowing that love in does not make you weak. And for me, I think that was one of the biggest barriers to intimacy that I was I would not allow it in because I was so independent, right? Right. Do you I see I, that with your clients? Oh, I see it with myself. Mm -hmm. I see it with my clients because and I think women almost have to do that because it's not natural. We came from a climate where we were taken care of. Mm -hmm. We really we really didn't do much. We didn't have to. And we went from that and now we're doing it all. You know, we're in every career. We're working. We have children. Then we go, oh my gosh, I'm going to take care of the kids. Women in the United States do 87% of all the chores. Now, if you think about it, how can you do that yeah. and take care of yourself, your sexual needs, and your, your relationship or yourself, how, yeah. where do those things come? Right. It's, it's too much, isn't mm -hmm. it? I mean, it's I've certainly had that feeling that it's too much. And, and the ability, I was literally working on this this weekend, I'll just say, <laughs> the ability to say, it's too much. Mm -hmm. I need a break. I'm not weak. I'm not hopeless. But I need a break. I need some time for self-care. That does not make you weak. In fact, I would say that makes you stronger. The ability to set those boundaries and allow the time for yourself is not a sign of weakness. And that correlates 
to, to so much more possibility for intimacy. Because we are talking about sex, but sex, and we've talked about this so much. Right. It's not just the act of sex. It's the all of the elements in our life that make us feel connected. That's right. It's all of the intimacy because, you know, you can have a relationship and it can be, there can be a sex deficit. Like maybe you have, you're recovering from cancer or you're recovering from a serious illness or you just had a baby. Your marriage, your relationship can survive with no sex, but it cannot survive without intimacy. Mm -hmm. When there's no intimacy, you lose the connection, you lose the trust, and that's what will kill a relationship. So along with sex, and sex is a vital part of a relationship, I do really encourage couples to make sure they're communicating, they're talking, and part of everybody's sex a sex life to me should be finding those things you do besides intercourse. When we focus so much on intercourse, then we become goal oriented. Mm -hmm. We become hard on ourselves. We, you know, we're critical of ourselves. And I think that that sort of competitive thinking is what makes us worry about how we look, which is the number one. Um, problem I see with women, especially when they're dating again, women who have been married for years, and these women are between 50 and 70, they worry about what they're going to look like in bed. That's so interesting that you said that, because I found mm -hmm. exactly the same thing in the study that led to my book. Uh -huh. uh, there were two main things that came up, as, other than hormones and anatomic mm -hmm. changes in the vagina. Of course, those are important too. But two main things came up as barriers to sexual desire, which were having resentment, and we can talk a little bit about that, and then body image issues, which as we get older often surround weight or just the bodily changes that happen with age. Oh, man. I'll, I'll just, and I'll tell you what, when I talk to my patients about this, I say frequently, have you looked at a scrotum lately? <laughs> <laughs> that is probably the least attractive thing ever, but we love it, right? That's... I mean, so they, it's just not common that our partners are the source of this dis like of our body it, mm -hmm. it's coming from inside mm -hmm. and, and i see that so much too that um you know divorce is so common in this age group too and we're often getting into new relationships as was i in my mid-40s and yeah, you know, the idea of being intimate with a new person after maybe 20 years it is scary and it we is. evaluate everything how do i look what's he gonna think so many things are going on at this time of life that's right. And if you talk to men, which I do, men could care they less. Don't care. They're right. not even looking at the woman's <laughs> right. body. I mean, they they eyeball it. They're attracted right. to it right away. Mm -hmm. But once they're in bed, they're just so grateful That's that right. she's going to go to bed with them. That's right. That yes. they don't they could care less. Yeah. It's so much more than that for mm -hmm. sure. So I, I just think that's funny how, just how relatable it is. Uh, one of the things I love about you is just a real person. And we, yeah. we know these things from personal mm -hmm. experience, not just from working with our patients. That's right. So in this really amazing time of life, you know, 45 to 70 or so when we call that midlife because it's what you name it. It's mm -hmm. often when our kids are leaving, our parents are getting sick and dying. Our relationships are changing we're kind of reevaluating what are we going to do with the second half of life you and i are in that age group ourselves that's right and we frequently talk about this idea that i truly believe that it's a space of just this endless opportunity but our culture's kind of telling us different messages aren't they about it's 
maybe we don't even want to have menopause. There was an article we read about that recently right, that right. you shared with me. Or maybe we mm -hmm. want to stay young forever or somehow just denying the validity of this really important time of life, especially for our sexuality. That's right. And I, you know, I've seen several things that in society, like I've seen, you know, with the article um, from the Wall Street Journal, it was amazing because the headline you know, can we get rid of menopause forever? And honestly, I don't think menopause is something we should get rid of. I think it's an important season. And I don't think you see anything disgusting about it or aging about it or anything that should make us feel badly about our bodies. But we do. And when women are in it, they complain about all sorts of things. Their dry skin, their dry vaginas their lack of interest in sex, their flab. And it's all these things that I believe have been undercover for a long time. Mm -hmm. The majority of reports say that when women go through menopause, if they weren't feeling good about their body before menopause, then they surely won't after. And so I think it's more about, and I'd like to at least have my message be, that it's important that you do your self-care like we talked about so you can stay aligned with your body. So you can address, like if you have dry skin, Google, ask friends, find people, find resources so you can put lotion on your skin. I mean, I have dry skin on my body, oily face. I mean, everything it's has human. changed. Right. It's human and yeah. we're all human. And we're, I mean, but to say that menopause is something we should no longer consider I think it's an important season. I do too. I wouldn't want to have a world where you didn't go through that. That was really interesting. I was grateful. Mary Jo shared this article with mm -hmm. me. I don't know if any of you have seen it, but it is such an interesting point to think about. If we could get rid of menopause, which is what the article was suggesting, could be possible in some fantastic future where we could extend the life of our ovaries forever. You'd have periods forever. You could get <laughs> pregnant when you're 65. I don't want that. Plus, I, this is this amazing time where I don't have to worry about any of those things. So I think it, it really speaks to the cultural inability to accept that this is a beautiful season of life, like you said. Mm -hmm. And this really, frankly, denial of the idea of death. I think it comes from just this fear of getting older. And, and yes, we all have that. But Menopause is a beautiful time, and we need to treat the symptoms that it can come along with, as you all know that I'm in favor of doing. Yes. But not to deny that it's a wonderful time. I certainly don't want to have babies when I'm 70. Good Lord, no. Or have periods or any of that stuff. I, I think that I a lot of the pressure is coming from social media. Mm -hmm. It's coming from filters. It's coming from outside forces that aren't real. And because women, uh, we're hard on ourselves anyway with how we look, how we appear to others, that we are like the perfect setup. But I have to say when I, my family is a lot of them are in Italy. And when I go to Italy, I don't see the same type of struggle. I see the women, they're vibrant. They're going out for their glass of wine in the afternoon or cafe. They're, you know, they're bred with it. They're enjoying their life. They dress less. They don't have problems with having a little bit of a wing on their arm. It doesn't, 
it doesn't have the same connotation. It doesn't take away their sexuality. In fact, I find them very erotic. Yes. But we are really in the states. We've just done this thing where we're cast aside, and I think that happens a lot. I think older people are ignored. And they're getting very sensitive to that, especially if it happens early. That is so true. And uh, those of you who've had the privilege to travel places mm -hmm. like Italy or the south of France yes. in the summer, and you'll go to the beach, and there are people with quite elderly bodies who are very happy walking around in a teeny bikini or a little Speedo, and they are sexy as all get out. They don't have the traditional body of a 25-year-old, but... They're confident and they're owning the beauty that they have with age. And that is so interesting that it's culturally different. It is. And I, you know, I don't know why that is. If it's the U.S. that we have access to so much. And I, you know, it's not like Brazil has a lot of plastic surgery. I think they have the most. More than any country. More I than think, any yeah. country. But yet their older women, too, do not seem to be bothered or held back or limited in their sensuality. Mm -hmm. I I wonder if maybe because the US has we're so work driven, we're so productive that what happens is because we get older and we start this retirement idea that maybe we no longer feel like we're contributing. So we, you know, I know a lot of people after they retire they're like I just want to lay in bed and do what I want to do. And that means shutting themselves down. Like mm -hmm. they, they no longer are going to own their sexuality or, or how, they, how they appear to others. And I personally think that could get them in a lot of trouble because your sexual health is very indicative of your overall health. Mm -hmm. And if you That's have sure. a problem with sexual issues, then it could be something that is going wrong with your body in another organ. And that's mm -hmm. one of the reasons I really like women to go and, you know, talk to a, a gynecologist or a sexual health doctor who can actually, you know, say, well, you're low on this or your thyroid, you know, you need help now. Because otherwise, they won't do anything. And that, that's a really good point. Because as, obviously, as we get older, there are a number of health conditions mm -hmm. that become more prevalent just as a function of age. Right. So for men, just as an example, erectile dysfunction is often a marker of cardiovascular disease right. or high blood pressure. For women, sexual dysfunction can be from ovarian hormone depletion, like lack of estrogen, testosterone, or thyroid, the things that you mentioned. Mm -hmm. So we can continue to keep those hormones or other health conditions in control so that we can keep our sexual body alive. And I, I love that idea because I personally, mm -hmm. you know, we've shared this before in my 40s, really went through a phase where I thought my sexuality was pretty much over. I mm -hmm. lost a lot of sensation. I wasn't feeling connected, wasn't enjoying sex anymore. And I really thought that was the end of the road and culture was sort of telling me, well, that's just what happens when you get older. Right. Well, as it turns out, as you know, that's not the case. And now I would have sex twice a day if I didn't have anything else to do. Yeah. Uh, but and, and that would be enjoyable. Mm -hmm. uh, so just to say that is something that I agree with you. It's a mm -hmm. vital part of who we are. Um, I can say in my case, if I don't have good sexual energy, it's often because I haven't slept well or I'm stressed about something or I'm feeling down about something. So it absolutely is a marker of what's going on in the rest of your life. That's right. And people that, um, you know, have a lot of anxiety or depression, which I can't tell you 
how many clients of mine struggle with that right now. Mm. And it was it was at its height during the pandemic. Mm, the sex terrible. drive for many women during the pandemic went way down because women are concerned about taking care of others. They were teaching their kids. They were doing it all at work. Everybody was home. That was where she had to work all the time. Mm -hmm. And it was it was outrageous. The sex, like... There was no time for women to have sex or enjoy themselves. That, that was an interesting time. Mm -hmm. Historically, when we have uh, less catastrophic disasters, for example, if there's a hurricane mm -hmm. or something short-term, we actually see an uptick in pregnancies because people are at home, there's a hurricane, right. and they're snuggling and having sex. But during COVID, people were at home getting in fights. There was a lot of domestic abuse. A lot of relationships mm -hmm. fell apart just because the level of stress was so high. So just to speak to how important stress management is. Oh, my gosh. I think when you talk about self-care for women, that's the number one thing, ladies. Meditation, prayer, um, yoga, whatever you can do to slow your thoughts down. For some women, that's journaling. For some, it's getting together with, with friends, whatever it is. And you might want to change out, but I think that's just so important. And, I, you know, it's something that I personally work with. I mentioned that I was actually working mm -hmm. on this this weekend. I feel guilty when I take time out for mm -hmm. myself. I'm aware of it and I work around it. So for example, this weekend I was invited to this beautiful activity uh, called a sound bath that was oh, at the yeah. Unity Church mm -hmm. here in Houston. It's yes. basically a 90 minute meditation, just listening to these amazing, beautiful sounds. And, and as I was invited and I did attend, it was amazing. I thought, I'm going to spend an hour and a half laying on the ground doing nothing on a Saturday. Shouldn't I be working or doing the yard work or preparing dinner or something else? But just allowing myself to have that time. I came home so refreshed and energized and I had really great sex. <laughs> I don't think it's not coincidental. Mm -hmm. I was in a place where I felt receptive. My stress level was low. Yes. I mean, these are, uh, sometimes patients say to me, I'm talking about these things, and they're like, mm -hmm. well, what's that got to do with sex? Everything, because sex is not just vaginal intercourse, like you said. It's oh, all yeah. those moments of connection, whether it's just with yourself, like mm -hmm. having a self-care break like that, or with your partner. What are some other, like, what are some non-sexual ways that people connect in your experience that really bring them together? I think just necking, like kissing um, touching each other, yeah. being on the bed, maybe just, you know, not many clothes on. You're just watching a movie or whatever, but just having each other in your arms. I think baths are lovely. Mm. If you take a bath together, I think that's so important. I love the idea of cooking together. My hubby's not a good cook. He doesn't enjoy that. But couples, we've gone to people's houses, and I, I see that as very sensual. I love is, dancing. Yeah. I think dancing. You're so is. Italian. Well, cooking and the dancing. I yeah, love it. <laughs> well, you know, I I just think that those it's things. Beautiful. We, you know, we don't we don't take time. I went to play putt putt golf with my husband and a, a couple, another couple on Saturday night, and we had the best time. Yeah. And we were so connected. Yeah. I also love tantric, like when you just do the eye contact and you just mm -hmm. hold it and you hold hands. I think without any distraction, that is an instant connector. And you just look at each other 
and sit for it's hard seven minutes. Mm. Yeah, and, and you can get so so deep into each other. It sounds hokey, but it's not. It's amazing how many people, and I'll just even put myself in that group in the marriage that ended mm-hmm. in my mid forties, could cannot look at each other in the eye. I remember uh, during the counseling that we had prior mm-hmm. to deciding to end that marriage, we were asked to to do this to look into mm-hmm. each other's eyes for maybe even a minute. Uh-huh. Couldn't do it. Uh, just that degree of disconnection, where even looking at each other in the eyes, we'd gotten so disconnected that we couldn't even mm-hmm. do that. And I know a lot of you may be feeling the same way, like, I couldn't do that. That's too vulnerable, too close. What if we're starting from there? So you've got a couple comes to you, and they really want to make it work. They've been mm-hmm. together for 20 years. Maybe they're that disconnected that they're thinking, I don't know about this looking in the eye for seven minutes or taking a bath. Let's start with something small, mm-hmm. maybe cooking. Cooking, mm-hmm. going fishing. It It's so. really good if it's an activity mm-hmm. Because men connect with activities. And for women, many women, we have just stopped being active. We've forgotten that it's not just our vagina. It's not just our breasts. Mm. It's our whole body. And we've gotten so into our own heads, we want to relax and read a book. You can read a book together. And especially if it's one you're sharing together and then talking about it, Mm -hmm. that's a lovely way to connect. But I've had couples that say they went fishing. They picked up poles and went fishing, and they were so connected. I think watching a great movie, if it's on a laptop, and any time that the two of you can recline, whether it's on the couch or in bed, without distraction, it's going to be easier. So it's something about just doing the same thing together and being really present for each other in the same space, no matter what it is, right? Exactly. I mean, we're sitting on the sofa and we could be a couple and we could sit here for 20 minutes Mm -hmm. and just visit about, you know, what's going on, what's happening. It's when you start expecting your partner to be a certain way or to respond a certain way, you're going to cut the dist- the connection. And so that's what a therapist tries to do. I want you to just be totally non-judgmental, just talk to each other, see where your partner is and validate them. And then, you know, then the partner's turn to talk and validating. Validating is an important part of sex. It is during the physical part too because you're validating what you like and then you don't have to mention what you don't like. Mm, I love or that. you can say, I love it when you do this. You'll get more of that. That's so great. And I mm. use that actually all the time. I'm so glad that you do too. Mm. You know, when you say, I love it when you do this, hey, I'd love it if we did some mm. more of that. Maybe there's an implication that I don't prefer the other thing, but everybody responds better with a positive lead, yes, right? And uh, not to be sexist at all, because I would respond that way too. This is such a vulnerable setting and everybody mm-hmm. wants to please the other person. So if my partner tells me, hey, I love it when you do this, I'm going to be thrilled because I'm like, great, thank you. Let me do more of that. So why is it that we're so uncomfortable talking about this, even to someone that has been in our life and in our bed for 20 years sometimes? That's a really good question. I think underneath all this is a lot of emotion. And it's, you know, it's like, why do couples cheat on each other? It's very rarely that they find somebody 
who they think is hotter than their partner. It's usually because that new person listens to them mm -hmm. and validates them. And because they're desperate or they don't have good coping skills with communicating with their partner, they seek someone else. They, they give up and they yeah. seek something new. So it's all about being able to start small. I tell my clients, none of this is about sex. This is about the two of you just seeing the good or the positive in each mm -hmm. other again. They have to pick out things, two things a day that they really appreciate about the other person. And when you're so distant, that's hard, Susan. Mm. Oh, I can remember a time mm. when that would have been very hard for mm -hmm. me. I remember the feeling of not wanting to give appreciation because there was mm. some part of me that felt like there was almost oh, so much to go around. So I needed to keep it over here. Right. And that just comes from that place of not enoughness that so many of us struggle with, including me. Mm -hmm. And growing out of that to living in a place where, hey, there's enough for everyone so I can be generous and give to you without it affecting how much I have over here. That's a lesson I've really just learned in the last 10 years. Uh, I, is... think, I think that's so, but you learned it and that's mm -hmm. so important. Many of us, especially in our generation, grew up with this scarcity theory mm -hmm. that if I get, if somebody else gets recognized, that means I don't. Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to... You know, I'm not going to appreciate them. I'm not going to tell them congratulations because I didn't get it. And we do that. We take that home and we do that with our partner. Yeah. And that's so disruptive. It makes our partner feel rejected, yeah. makes our partner feel like they don't matter. Right. And then for, for yourself, too, if it's mm -hmm. coming the other way. So somehow growing out of that state of scarcity or not enoughness and just realizing that whatever your spiritual tradition is, I think we all agree that, mm -hmm. that there is enough love for everybody in the world. It's endless. It's infinite. And so when Absolutely. I give, mm -hmm. and we've talked before about approaching sex as an act of generosity. I love that idea. Oh, that, that, that's lovely. That really helped me. Mm -hmm. it's, it's an act of generosity. And I don't lose anything over here by mm -hmm. giving to you because there's no deficit. I've got an endless amount to give. And that was not an easy lesson. And so if you're in that place where I was, hey, you're not alone. But uh, grow, growing out of that, because mm -hmm. I do believe it's not true. It's one of those limiting stories that just is not true. There is enough for everyone. Right. I love the way that you're so vulnerable. Like, I, I think a lot of times when our, when people are listening to this, they go, oh, they're, but they're so far ahead or they know that <sighs> I did. And the truth is, we're still in it too. Right. Like I, I think I some. I'm a psychologist, but there's things that happen in my marriage, and I've been married forever. That I go, why, why did I do that? You know, I, I second guess it. It's not the right thing. It's not what I would tell clients, but yet I'm prone to it. Or this is what I saw modeled because we all go back to what we saw you know, being raised. That's right. And we're, we're, we're human. And we've we're human and we make mistakes. And until mm -hmm. we work that through, then we'll keep, that's our default. Mm -hmm. So that's such a good point, I think, about mm -hmm. this scarcity mentality. And I think just for me, realizing that A, it's a thing that many of us share and B, it's not true. Uh, and so much about that we could talk about, but yes, you know, I'm so interested. I would love to be a fly on the wall in your office. Like when couples of our age group, mm -hmm. so we're talking sort of 45 to 65 ish, right. 
uh, come to you. I imagine they come to you, of course, because they want things to be better. We're not going to seek out a sex therapist if we're over with a relationship, right? Right. So right. What are the more common things that you hear, and what are some ways that your clients have been able to move forward to have a wonderful, intimate relationship again? Maybe they've been through a period where things weren't so good. And... Mm -hmm. Well, I think a lot of times, like for let's just take infidelity. When oh. infidelity happens, only two thirds of or, or one third of my clients actually end the relationship. Two thirds of them two are able to work it out. Wow. And they do that through a process. And what's most important about anything you decide to work out with your partner is that your partner is as committed to the relationship as you are. Mm -hmm. Because most of the time when, when a relationship is truly over and, and one person isn't getting what they need from the relationship, or maybe both aren't, it is because one person has their foot out the door. And then anything you suggest, they'll say in the office, yeah, yeah, let's work on it, but they really won't. You can tell when you're lying on a bed with your partner and holding hands and talking, whether your partner is being there, being present, or if they're looking on their phone and already gone. Mm. And I think in the cases when you know, a partner is not committed, they are already gone, that that's an important indication that you may need to rethink how badly you want this marriage. Yeah. Because not all marriages are meant to go a lifetime. I mean, it's a lot of, I got married when I was 20 and I am still married to him, but I can tell you I have been seven different wives. Mm -hmm. I have gone through life, I've gone through transitions, I've changed. He is the kind of man who would change for me. And I was quite adamant about what I wanted. If you are a kind of person that you're going to hold back or wait for them to decide, you're putting yourself in a, in a really vulnerable position. So my whole take is when you come to a therapist, make sure you've written down what is lacking in the marriage, what you love about the marriage, and how invested you are in changing yourself for the marriage. Mm -hmm. And that's so important. Having it's been, so, is so having important. Having been through this myself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, we've got to both be committed or it's not going to work. Right. And that's absolutely true. And but Susan, I, sometimes when you're not, like, you know, you can feel like it's you, like you mm -hmm. no longer have a sex drive, but it's not you. And mm -hmm. it's not your sex drive. Mm -hmm. It's because you're with someone who your heart already realizes is gone. Yeah. And so you do feel devalued. You do feel unattractive. You do feel unfeminine or, if you're the guy, not masculine. Mm -hmm. Because your partner has already shown you. You know, we pick up on things very quickly. Yeah, we do really mirror each other, mm -hmm. I think. Yes. And then I'm so... I'm so happy to hear that two-thirds of your clients, even in the most drastic situation like facing infidelity, for example, yeah. are able to repair. So how do they do that? Like, what are some of the things that you've seen is helpful for people in our age group? Right. It starts small. Mm -hmm. And I think the most important thing women can do is to get comfortable with their body. Mm -hmm. Because one of the most, the highest rated thing for men 
about what makes a woman attractive is how much she likes herself. Confidence, right? That yeah. is confidence. Yeah. Yeah. And if she is feeling bad about her body, this is why we encourage women, especially to come see Dr. Susan, come see a psychologist like myself, who is going to help empower you, help you start understanding that you are the total package. You, you've let yourself go, maybe. We all have been there. Oh, for sure. I mean, I go through there in seasons. Like some days I'm just like, I am not getting dressed today. This is it. And that's okay. That's part of just being a human. But to just say, I don't care anymore. I'm never going to want to have sex again. Those are things that could be potentially hurtful for you. Mm -hmm. And you don't want to get in that mindset. I think the little things really matter. Getting, you know, getting up and, you know, maybe your partner makes you coffee or they do one little thing. Start doing three little things that please your partner every day. Mm -hmm. Start telling your partner you're grateful for at least two things every day. Say it aloud. Brag about your partner in front of others. That is very powerful. Touch your partner every chance you get. The neck is, is a high erogenous zone for women. For men, it's their face. Mm. And they like to get their, the side of their face touched. When you have a really big talk to, you know, or something deep within you to talk to your partner about, if it's a guy, don't look at them in the eyes. It can be confrontational, especially if you don't have that that um, connection. So just sit down and talk. Just talk when they're at your side. Usually they won't get defensive. They won't go into lockdown, and they'll be more receptive. If you're close to your man, then looking at their eyes is seductive. Mm, yeah. But what I love about this is, and, and we've talked about this before, mm -hmm. the things that help relationships to thrive are free. They're simple. They mm -hmm. don't take more than a few seconds sometimes. We've talked about things like just making a ritual around hello and goodbye when you're the transition. Right. The leaving and coming home, um, cooking a meal. Watching a movie. I love the bragging to other people about oh, your partner. Oh, that's so important. And that they hear it. Right. Find, they... Finding two nice things mm -hmm. to say. And I can say, I'm, you know, looking back 10 years ago, had I done that, I probably still would be married. Mm -hmm. I didn't do those things. Mm -hmm. And so I think a lot of women, I can certainly say I was in this group, really didn't want to, I, you know, like writing gratitude notes or things. I'm like, I, ugh, I was sort of mm -hmm. so over here in the disconnected space. But yeah, if I had known what I know now, and mm -hmm. we've talked about this before, right. it would have been different. Just understanding mm -hmm. that we, we are all in evolution and some relationships do need to end and that's okay as well. That's um, right. But it's a very, it's a very unique and difficult decision and certainly getting plenty of help and support is really appropriate. But yes. I love these little things. Oh, uh, well, they're very helpful. You know, yeah. it's all the little things that if you can just start doing them. And I love what you said, Susan, that, that basically we're all in the process of evolving. And that's so important that you forgive yourself mm -hmm. because you won't be able to forgive your partner. Marriage should be all about, like I do some pre-marriage talks I give it about forgiving, the importance of forgiveness. You cannot stay married if you can't forgive. And mm -hmm. also you need to learn how to fight mm -hmm. because you are going to fight. And I don't, 
Good marriages fight as much as bad marriages. It's just that the good marriages know when to say when. Like they, they have stoppers. They have ways of going back and saying, hey, listen, I'm really sorry if I hurt you. Part of the reason you and a lot of women just were like, I'm not going to do these little things. I'm so pissed at them. You're hurt. Mm -hmm. It's just years so much of resentment, resentment mm -hmm. and not feeling loved and not feeling understood or appreciated and feeling like you've got everything on your back and there's no support mm -hmm. that will kill a relationship. And that's not your fault. Yeah. Yeah. And that's just so helpful, I think. To, forgiveness is the key to everything, in mm -hmm. my opinion. But yeah, we can all look back and say, if I knew what I know now, I would have mm -hmm. done things differently. But just believing that we all do the best we can at the time right. with what we have. And there are different seasons of life. Right. And this season, coming back to just this whole menopause, midlife season, you know, just coming, circling back to what we were discussing in the beginning about this idea that you and I believe, and I, I really mm -hmm. do believe it's true for all of us, even if you're not in a place where it feels true to you right now, that midlife can be the best part of life. And I'm not saying that with unicorns and rainbows. It's also very difficult. Mm -hmm. Let's be honest. Yes. And yes. it can be a beautiful time. It's not the end of life. It's mm -hmm. not the end of your sexuality. It's not the end of your ability to have the best relationship you've ever had, even if it's a new one or mm -hmm. a, a re-inspiration of an old one. Right. And I totally agree with you. This idea that we should not have menopause or put it off till we're 80. Why? Because it's fantastic. It's, it is fantastic. And we're learning things about mm -hmm. ourselves. And to not have this season, because I think this season is really here for us to deepen our connections. Mm, because yeah. when you're having sex, it's very easy to not think about what it means, to not enjoy the spiritual side, to not really feel alive. And when you get to the menopause stage, I think it's easier to really focus. Like, I love this relationship. I love this person. And when yeah. we come together like this, we're sharing an important part of of our very essence. And oh, yeah. you, I couldn't Beautiful. do that when I was young. Oh, God, no. I was so yeah. busy. I would just like, I just want a quickie today. Yeah. And not that I never say that now, but yeah. that was so much part of my rhetoric because I didn't spend time. Yeah. And this is, this is really the key, I think, and a great point to sort of end a uh, mm -hmm. conversation because we could talk forever. <laughs> I know. First of all, can you imagine mm -hmm. having a relationship with your partner where you could sit on the couch and talk like this, but you mm -hmm. actually can. You can talk to a mm -hmm. girlfriend like this. Yes. So we could talk to our partners like this, yes. right? It's beautiful. Exactly. Intimate, flowing. There's no reason why you can't do this with your intimate partner, whomever that is. Mm -hmm. But yes, going back to, and I have young adults, good Lord, I do not want to be back in my 20s. Sex was about a lot of things, but it wasn't about genuine connection or mm -hmm. had any higher spiritual element for sure. And then it moved into baby making. And then it moved into, I'm too tired to even think about it with little kids. And so now we're in this other space and we can kind of, I love the idea that it's an unwritten page, right? We can choose how to write the book of our second half of life, because here's the journal, it's empty. You mm -hmm. get to choose, right? Yes. Uh, and listening to this messaging, I think that's negative or pessimistic about aging is not helpful. Right. 
whatever you believe we can agree it's not helpful. Mm -hmm. And I think it really sets up a barrier to connection because what we're talking about really is connection. That's right. And I also think that although, you know, it is a time your looks are going to change. That does not mean they're going to get worse. It just means if you go to social media and you compare your looks to how different models or influencers look, you're, that's not a fair comparison, mm -hmm. and you're going to look different. But you can still be different is not not beautiful. That's right. It is beautiful. It's well, so different. All, we were different in, in adolescence. Of and course. Young, I mean, I look at pictures when I was in my 20s. I look terrible. And I, I mean, I look back at my 20s. I felt really hot then. I never thought <laughs> about, you know, I could look better or anything. It's because I didn't have social media. That's right. Yeah, the comparison is enemy of joy. Oh, as yes. Say, right? Yes. And our partners are getting older, too, whether they're male or female. And, and I, I don't think many of us worry about that. We don't care if he's bald. We don't care if he's got some gray hair. I mean, certainly if we do, we've got some more work to do. But I mean, I think that we... I can say for myself that we treat people so differently than the way we treat ourselves. I it's look at beautiful women like you in the second oh half my. of life, and I think, oh my God, she's fantastic and gorgeous and sexy. And I look at my partner who's in his about to be late 50s, and I feel the same way. So why is it that I judge myself so much more harshly? Why don't we give ourselves a break? That is a wonderful, wonderful message, Susan. Mm -hmm. We all need to give ourselves a break. Yeah. We need to quit beating ourselves up. But if you beat yourself up, you are in the norm. Yes, that's true. We, I do all the time. We I was just do. saying to Susan, my hair, my hair. <laughs> it's one of those things. It's, it's human. Yes, um, it and is human. The, the, the skill set I think that we learn, hopefully, as we age is, is not to not do those things, but just to be able to see that it's happening and to redirect to a more healthy place. Because goodness knows I do it every day, but just to be able to be like, oh, I see I'm doing that again. Mm -hmm. Let me redirect. And so maybe by the time I'm 100, it'll be so quick that it won't even happen. But if we're growing and learning, we're just hopefully getting better and wiser. We're not perfect. Mm -hmm. but hopefully moving towards deeper connection. So, so great to hear from you. What I hear, I'm so inspired when I talk to you, is about the power of connection and mm -hmm. how it can not only save a relationship that is in need of help, but just reinvigorate any relationship, even with a girlfriend, with your kids. Yes, you need to end with yourself. So yes, connection with yourself we want to remember that and just bringing it back together that we're talking about connection. One funny thing earlier today, we were talking about why is it that we can just sit down on the couch and talk like this? And why is it so difficult? You know what? Because we scheduled it. We put it on the calendar. We showed up on time. We put our phones away. This doesn't happen by accident. And there's no reason why you can't have this kind of conversation with anybody. But I think it has to have those elements. I, I love that because I agree. When we're out to dinner, I notice my hubby and I don't talk about this kind of stuff. We talk deeper when we're home after mm -hmm. a date night and we're relaxed and yeah. then we get on the sofa. Yeah. So if you schedule something, you show your partner this matters right. and they love that. And also it's going to help the two of you just kind of calm down and come into each mm -hmm. other. Yeah. So 
we could talk all day, but what mm-hmm. I heard today that just to summarize, just so much hope about the power of connection, mm-hmm. wherever you are in your life with yourself and your relationships, it's never too late to get that back with really easy things like some of the things you mentioned that are free. They don't take time, but they do take intention, just the intention to put it on the calendar, put your phone away, make it important, tell your partner they're important. If you want your relationship to work, those are easy things that will make so much difference. That's right. right. Yeah. It's really true. And then, of course, that leads into the bedroom. But the, and the connection comes first. The connection comes first. Yeah. And then the bedroom. Yeah. And, and I can tell you in my own life, this has absolutely been the case. So I'm walking proof that this can happen. And Mary Jo has thousands of clients who can say the same thing. So we've talked about uh, different ways to connect with you. We'll put those in the links below. But if you can just tell our listeners how they might reach out to some of the resources that you have, either meeting with you in person, reading your amazing book, your YouTube, all of the ways that you're connecting and helping women. Yes. Well, I think the easiest way is just to go to my website. And that's my name, Mary Jo Rapini. Dot com and when you yeah. yeah when you go there you will see that I have a YouTube channel I have homework for sale it's a dollar ninety nine but you can learn it. about boundaries about fighting fair about what to do when you want to hold a grudge against your partner also what to do after infidelity so there's a lot of helpful resources and also if you want therapy that's the best way to reach me it will go directly to my email then and then I can help you from there yeah. Well, there's so many ways that you're helping women. I can tell you, you've personally helped me and many of my patients. Um, And you teach me how to practice just having conversations, being kind, being honest and transparent. And that is the biggest gift of all. So thank you for all of that and for helping women. And we'll show you how to connect with Mary Jo below. If there are questions or comments, please leave them below. We'll do our best to answer them. Mm -hmm. We're going to share this on your platforms too so that your clients can enjoy this conversation. And I I know we're going to do this again because, like I said, this is just part one of many talking about the importance of intimacy in midlife and anytime. Right. And I love that. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Well, if you like this episode, don't forget to subscribe, share it with your friends, and I can't wait to see you next week. Mm -hmm.